Welcome to the Korea Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chung-Min Kim, the Editorial Director of Korea Pro. And I'm John Lee, the Editor of Korea Pro. Join us for a weekly 15-minute conversation as we dive into the most pressing stories shaping South Korea and dissect the most complicated ones for you. From politics to culture, technology to society, we've got you covered. So stay ahead of the curve and never be sidelined again. So get ready for a fresh perspective on South Korea's news. This is the Korea Pro Podcast. All right. Today is Wednesday, February 21st, and we are recording our podcast episode a day earlier than we usually do. Now, Chungmin, there was a video that went viral online in South Korea these past few days, something about the president's bodyguards dragging people out at a graduation ceremony. Could you help our listeners and our viewers understand what exactly just happened? Well, the uh, President Yoon Seok-yeol invited himself to a KAIST graduation ceremony. KAIST stands for... The Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. It's in Daejeon, and it's one of the most prestigious universities in South Korea, where basically they grow most of the engineers and scientists that South Korea really needs. Right? It's Korea's version of MIT. Right, and then President Yoon went there to deliver the speech about how he has expanded and he will expand the R&D research and development budget, which is a lie, honestly, because he cut it initially and then it he was... He cut it massively and then he's raising it incrementally. Right, and then it, it was back up because of the parliament, the National Assembly. Right. Anyways, he was doing this speech in front of all these scientists and then uh, one student stood up among the graduates. Mm-hmm. Initially, this guy had a picket but the security guard took it away so he started shouting, please don't cut the R&D budget and um, please don't do the tax cut to the wealthy. Sure. Right, and then, well, sure, this was a guy who apparently was affiliated with the Justice Party. So it's not just a student. Mm-hmm. But the problem was not that. Mm-hmm. The problem was that, first of all, there were security guards who went undercover with just tons of graduation gowns there. And then they suddenly stood up and gagged him. Well, I'm not sure if the bodyguards dressed as students is problematic No, per I se. mean, that that's not problematic. But the problematic part was the gagging part. Sure, they, they dragged stood him up, out of They the dragged hall. him out while he was screaming. Mm-hmm. Well, considering all the things that happened in the past few weeks or months, like a lot of assaults against politicians, I think, it, honestly, it's fair that there were that much security there. And undercover security, it's always there. And even in the U.S. or sure. Japan or wherever. Right. But gagging someone, even when someone crazy saying something just extra crazy in front of a president. Like, no one should ever gag a citizen. Well, I'm not sure if uh, no limits is the way to go, Mm. but uh, the thing what you just mentioned was that he had a picket. Mm. They removed the picket. They knew that he was going to pull some kind of stunt. Mm. And so, despite knowing that he was going to do something, like shout or whatever, they knew that he wasn't carrying a weapon, Mm. and yet they decided to gag him and drag him out. I think, honestly, removing him is fine. If he he is disturbing something, and if it's per protocol, they can remove them. We can see in other instances in the past in Korea or other countries as well, the security guards follow the due course to somehow remove them so that the event can go on undisrupted. Mm -hmm. It seemed like I checked all the Kai student community postings as well. There was some controversy about whether or not it was right for the students to use this event for this occasion, political protest. People can debate about that. But the part I am saying that's just 100% 
problematic is the gagging. It just shouldn't happen. Sure. Now, when you say gagging, you mean that they shut his mouth literally with their hands or... Exactly what you just said. Okay, so that's exactly what happened. Mm. All right. So this is a problem precisely because whenever Yoon goes out to these international forums, he loves to talk about freedom and democracy, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. He, he talks about freedom more than George W. Bush did. <laughs> and yet, when it comes to practice, he doesn't really practice it all that well. First of all, it, it seemed like from the look of what preparation they did with all the security, it seemed like they knew what was going to happen. If they were smart, they would have used the opportunity to actually make the president respond to that in a very generous and professional manner, saying that, thank you for your passion for um, this budget issue and I will make sure to listen to the young people's policy advice. This was, this was a great opportunity for him. The key phrase there being if they were smart. So the party divorce. The new reform party with Inagyeon and Lee Jun Sok, my Which headline did you go for for the, the executive briefing to do the connotation on divorce? Uh, the phrase that I used was irreconcilable differences. Exactly. I loved it. Um, can you tell us what happened? Well, what happened was that 12 days ago, Inagyeon, the former prime minister and former leader of the Democratic Party, and Lee Jun Sok, the former leader of the People's Power Party, they decided to form a large coalition party. Mm, and big it was a, tent party, a as big they tent put it. A big party. And it wasn't just them. It was defectors from the Democratic Party. They even had progressive members from the Justice Party. Like Ryu Ho-jang, the right. very young politician. Exactly. And this is supposed to be a really big tent centrist party that was going to challenge the status quo. And 11 days after they formed the alliance, they decided to split up because they had so many differences over who was going to lead the election campaign strategy, 11 messaging. 11 days. 11 days. 11 days. I tweeted that even elementary school kids stayed longer than that. But uh, Inagen said something just recently. Could you tell us what the, he said? Right. He was doing this emergency press briefing the day they announced the divorce and said that uh, Lee Jun-suk tried to erase Lee Inagyeon from the party using his authority as one of the co-leaders, mm-hmm. pushing him away from election strategy and deciding who runs for which seat, blah, 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 blah. And then Lee Jun-suk said that that's fake news, but still, I want you back. Is that going to happen? This is my shocked face. I'm shocked that this happened. <laughs> uh, I, I cannot believe that these two political stalwarts and principal leaders could not stand each other and had so many disagreements. I'm devastated. <laughs> Well, Junai and I wrote a very short shelf story on Friday. We wrote an analysis about why this potentially could be a game changer for South Korean politics because all of the experts that we interviewed basically told me that this opens up a new possibility for South Korean politicians to move away from, you know, personal attacks and demonizing each other, blah, 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 and opening up a possibility for a more centrist image of a merge between younger and older politicians. And I had to insert my own voice in there saying that you mentioned that they don't have ideological leanings compared to more left and right politicians that they defected from. But there are more contemporary ideological rifts. I'm pretty sure Lee Jun-suk and Lee Nagyeon wouldn't be able to reconcile. And that will be their challenge. And guess what happened? Well, last Friday, when we were all so much younger and more innocent back then, <laughs> there was some hope that this party might turn into something formidable, something right, be- more tangible. Just because sure. also because it was so surprising to see it. I remember how you reacted when they announced the merger. I was shocked. He swore a lot. Quite a bit. I, I think there might have been some yelling. Uh, but the <laughs> Not because he was unhappy, because it was surprising. And also unhappy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, this, this party is now 
kaput. Now, Lee Jun-suk just said today that if you want to come back to enjoy the party again, you know, I'm willing to give it a shot. He's like that really jilted ex-boyfriend who can't get a hint. Now, that's a good headline now. We should use that as a headline, yeah. seriously, next time. Jilted ex-boyfriend Lee Jun-suk. <laughs> What happens going forward? How would you predict the potential good strategy that Lee Nagyeon could use? Now, Lee Nagyeon could really try to double down on DP defectors. DP being the Democratic Party, of course. There has been a very major politician that left DP recently. Oh, yeah. Who was her? Uh, she was the deputy speaker of the National Assembly. And she's a big shot. Oh, yeah. I think she was elected four times or something, right? Yes, Three she was. And times? the reason why she left the party was because of the inter-party election campaign strategy, mm-hmm. where people who can only get so many percentage of the votes will end up being penalized when it comes to actual voting. Now, it's mm. quite a bit of complicated, but what happened was that she felt like she was being taken advantage of, that she wasn't being respected. And so she left the Democratic Party. She's on Jong Se-gyun's side, former prime minister, like rather than Lee Jae-myung's side. Of course. And there are a few politicians who also issued similar statements, although they did not leave yet, that they feel treated badly and that Lee Jae-myung is over-wielding his authority. And these voices are getting louder by the day. Oh, every single day, day and night. And just what I just keep thinking is that this was supposed to be a very easy win for the DP. All they had to do was not mess things up. It was an election win on a silver platter because PPP were messed up at first. And youth popularity is always down at doldrums. And there's always something going viral because of presidential office's mistake. Right. It was supposed to be a very easy win. And apparently they just cannot take an easy win. But it's just they're just internally so messed up. They cannot just come up with a strategy. And now that Inagans created this new party and drifting away from Lee Jun-suk, which Democratic Party supporters hate it. Mm-hmm. Now there is actually a new possibility for pro- progressive voters to actually vote for a different party that they might actually align with. Right. And with the DP internally fighting, what happens? PPP could actually win. Despite all of their missteps. Right. Although although even with, if PPP wins, um, the policy wise, it would be quite similar with the current state of the National Assembly. Well, sure. There will still be gridlock in the National Assembly. People will still be fighting over this, and they will still be calling unit dictator. It will still be business as usual. But what matters is uh, which party will be able to maintain control of the National Assembly. Mm. Will the DP be able to do that? It doesn't look like it can going forward. Yeah, like just three or four weeks ago, we said it looks like DP has more possibility to win looking at the polls. But then now, even the opinion polls show that PPP is more popular. Despite all of the ruling parties mistakes. Steps. Our conclusion, everybody's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Unlock the full Korea Pro experience by joining our community. Stay informed, stay ahead, and never miss a beat on Korean affairs that matter. Subscribe today and transform the way you understand Korea. All right, let's move on to the week cut segment. Dr. Strike, what's going on right now? Well, the bovine excrement has hit the fan and it is all over the place. The government basically said after a year of negotiations with the doctors that they are going to increase the slot for medical school starting next year. If I recall the numbers correctly, 3,058 students that are allowed to enroll into medical schools every year. Nationwide. But the government plans next year to increase that slot by 2,000 plus or more additional seats. And because of this, doctors all all over the country, trainee doctors as well. They've been putting in their leave of absence. They've been walking away from their jobs. The latest figure had more than 8,700 trainee doctors decide not to show up to work. Mm. And it has been shutting down uh, operation rooms. It's 
a mess. Does this practically mean that the most senior ones, like the professors, are the ones that are left? Yeah, are they're left, left, but they're not superheroes. They cannot do all the things all at once. Right, the surgeries are postponed or canceled and right. so on and so forth. So the reason why I put this in Rico Head segment is because this is going to impact South Korea in coming weeks potentially because doctors are not standing down. What's the main point on the surface level that doctors are saying and what do you think are the actual reasons that doctors are well, pushing for this? Well, what the government said was that by 2035, there's going to be a huge shortage of doctors. Mm. And so the government wants to expand the number of these slots for medical schools. But the doctors are saying that there is no shortage. What's really an issue, there is a disproportionate division of labor, essentially. How so many doctors are congregating in the capital city area, how they're going into specialized medical fields and not going into, say, something like pediatrics. Like which only is going really to needed. dermatology. Exactly. And so the doctors are saying that these are the areas that the government needs to focus on. For some people to go to the provinces, for some doctors to go into critical areas that are needed, do not increase the number of seats. That's what the doctors are saying. Is that even possible, though, to force people to go to the provincial area? Well, like, that, by incentives, well, I guess? Well, I suppose it could be possible, but... If you really think about it, when it comes to practice, who are the ones who are going to end up getting forced to go to the provinces when no one wants to go? Hmm. Is, they're all going to be the junior doctors. And also the population centered in, in the metropolitan area. Right. And well, the doctors it? are going to feel like they're being punished if they're forced to go to these areas. Right. So what are their actual reasons for protesting this? In my personal opinion, I think the doctors are just basically trying to have their cake and eat it too. They hmm. want to make sure that the number of seats are limited so that they can protect their own economic interests. Hmm. And they are acting exactly like a trade union would, except that they are actually doctors and people's lives depend on them. Mm. To play the devil's advocate, I do see a little bit of a point with some of the um, like head professors of some of the associate doctors associations are saying is that as professors, they know that even with the current level of number of students, it's sometimes very difficult to thoroughly teach them because medical school is different from any other university. You have to actually teach them how to do surgeries and stuff. And if the number increases too quickly, all at the same time, it puts strains on the education educational level, it seems. That's the professor's arguments and that maybe they could have went for a more gradual increase ultimately towards 2000 more. Well, that was the, basically the Democratic Party's position. Mm. Lee Jae-myung basically said that he criticized both the doctors and the government. He said that the doctors should go back to work and he said that the government should reduce the number of seats to something a bit more manageable. Which was actually quite interesting too because it's like you mentioned it was a quite rare scene of... Bipartisan unity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we have to remember the actual key number. By 2035 there's going to be a shortage of doctors. That's not too long from now. And we have to remember that it takes nine years to become trained to become a doctor. This isn't something that can happen overnight. And mm. so the government's position is saying, hey, we need doctors and we need them fast. Mm. But right now, because elections are coming up and because of all of these political pressures, both sides are refusing to give in right now. Mm. Let's move on to the second topic in the week ahead, which is the gender ministry. What's happened to the gender ministry? All right. So is the, it finally gone? The gender ministry is not yet gone, but reportedly the gender minister, Kim Yun-suk, has submitted her resignation. Again? Again, for the second time. But unlike the first time around, the president has not appointed a successor. I mean, also, it seems like he reportedly accepted the resignation. He reportedly he accepted the resignation, but because he did not appoint a successor, what's supposedly going to happen is that the vice minister, is hmm. going to serve as the acting minister. Is there any possibility that they can use this for election peg and try to announce something surprising like, oh, we were, get, we were get, getting rid of the ministry right before the election? Oh, definitely. This is a signal to the voters, hmm. uh, especially to the conservative
conservative young male voters that, that are Lee part Jun-suk of the base. That Lee may steal away soon. Right. And Lee Jun-suk is trying to steal the male voters away from Yoon. Yoon is trying to get them back. Now, is this definitely uh, an election strategy? There's no way to say for sure. Mm. But it doesn't smell like one. Oh, definitely. It does. But will the government actually end up abolishing the gender ministry? Because there were a lot of international organizations that recommended otherwise. Well, that's the million-dollar question. Mm. Now... I think it's going to be a lot more difficult than people think it's going to be to actually abolish the ministry. Mm. The The opposition party will never let the PPP live it down if they actually get rid of the ministry. Yeah. But by downgrading the importance of the ministry, by not having a serving minister, I think that's going to be a strong enough signal mm. to the voter base to get the votes that they need for the upcoming elections. How about downgrading it as an agency like DAPA? Well, Defense Acquisition Agency. That's certainly a possibility, but we've not seen that as strong hints that that might happen. But or, or renaming it to include men in the title, sure, like you the could genis- want the men and of women minister, men and women equality. Doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? <laughs> men and women and birth rate increase minister. Okay. Uh, I hope they come up with a better name than that, but sure. It is possible they could downgrade it into an agency, but will they? I'm not quite sure. I think that might require a lot more political risk than anyone is willing to take. Okay, please keep an eye on that. And for more, subscribe to Korea Pro Newsletters. We brief you on all the important things that will happen in the coming week on Mondays. Sounds good. And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know more, sign up for our daily executive briefings. We brief you on all you need to know from the past 24 hours and why they matter every morning in your inboxes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for your weekly dose of insight. And until next time, I'm Jungmin Kim. And I'm John Lee. Stay connected, stay informed, and we'll see you next time on the Great Pro Podcast.